www.brfcs.com. By the fans. For the fans. Since 1986. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 64. I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor. Chief reporter Kami is once again with us in the virtual studio today, and joining him for the first time this season is BRFCS member Philip L. Evening, Wen. You're right. Yep. Yeah, fine. Building after today's victory. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good match. Yeah, we'll be discussing that in a moment. Uh, Philip, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Saying hello from uh, a rather sunny and hot Malta. Yep. Well, it's uh, every bit as sunny as uh, Malta over here in Blackburn. It's uh, lovely here as well. It's good to hey. good to hear from you after so long, uh, Philip. Well, great to be back. Uh, say, uh, I, I've been in Malta for quite a few weeks at the moment at, um, in my apartment, but uh, I managed to see the match um, on um, delayed relay. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. How are you, Ren? Yeah, uh, very good, very good. Um, it, obviously, we watched the Barnsley game together uh, today. Uh, we'll be discussing that. Uh, just had a, a, a lovely evening meal with uh, my mum and dad, and uh, quite a few things uh, related to Blackburn Rovers history has come up. Uh, I don't know if uh, either of you know these names, but uh, um, Mick McGrath's name came up. Um, uh, my dad was uh, talking about him uh, very briefly. He's uh, apparently is a gardener, uh, lives in the Brownhill area at the moment. Uh, um, he's uh, a name from I think late fifties, but certainly the sixties. Um, a very hard tackling uh, defender back in the 60s. Uh, another name that came up was uh, Walter Hubert, uh, who was actually a, um, a, a school friend of, uh, of my dad's, uh, talking a little bit about uh, uh, metallurgy and stuff <laughs> over, over dinner. It was interesting. And um, some of you may remember Walter Hubert's uh, name from uh, three years ago, just before... Indeed. Uh, four years ago, I think, just before uh, the Venkis, I think it was the summer before the Venkis were, uh, n- name uh, w- was involved. And uh, I think he, he was uh, behind uh, the the bid from the the American-based guy from Southport, if, uh, if anyone remembers that. Yeah, yeah, that was, um, oh, I can't remember his name, but yeah, he was involved me, yeah. in Rochester, New York as well. That's right, yeah. So we're talking about uh, Walter. Oh, Dan Williams was it? Dan yeah. Williams, and it was Dan. I was, I was, yeah. I was, yep. So that was uh, from about four years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, then we're then we're talking about uh, Leamington Road, uh, Leamington Road Baptist Church is, is our family's uh, uh, church. Leamington Road Baptist Church was was built in the eighteen nineties, and Mum and Dad were arguing over whether it was eighteen ninety three or ninety seven, but uh, prior to that. Uh, Blackburn Olympic uh, apparently had uh, owned the an- the land around there, and uh, we were just discussing uh, whether Blackburn Rovers played on Blackburn Olympic's land or ground, or or, or whether it was separate to that. But uh, uh, of course, if you've got Mike Jackman's uh, books uh, to hand, you'll be able to confirm that. I haven't got it in my my back pocket with me, but uh, um, yeah, it's been an interesting evening meal. 
Mm-hmm. Rovers certainly did play at Leamington Road in the early days. It was one of the grounds they used uh, before they went to Ewood. Um, I can't remember what the order was. I mean, they, they also played, I think, Alexandra Meadows at one time as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was when the the famous uh, riot against Darwin happened. Um, <laughs> But yeah. uh, also mention of Mick McGrath, I actually have Mick McGrath's autograph in my schoolboy <laughs> autograph book. Wow. Uh, my, uh, my dad was in, um, in hospital in Blackburn um, when Dick Mulvaney had perforated oh, yeah. his eardrum. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So Dick was in the room, was, was in the same ward in the bed opposite dad. And all the Rovers players kept coming along. And so I sort of supplied Dad with my autograph book, and he collected all all the autographs. So I got, obviously, uh, Clayton and uh, Douglas and uh, Fred Els and people like that. Oh, and Jack Marshall was the manager at the time. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so Fantastic memories. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I think Rovers were founded by schoolboys from... Um, Shrewsbury School. That, yeah, so, so, yeah, they were all, I think, um, John Lewis was, was, a, was an old Slopian. But the first cup final Rovers played in, which was 1881, was against the Old Etonians. But yeah, yeah they that, definitely that's when you played. got the famous quote of, uh, uncouth of garb and <laughs> about the, the Rovers fans coming down to London for the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they were. I mean, they definitely played at Leamington Road. Um, yeah, but where the church is now, um, uh, they, they definitely had some years there. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. be interesting uh, if, if if people could enlighten us to whether Blackburn Olympic actually uh, played there as well, or whether we ground shared or, or what. Uh, I'd be quite interested to know that. I don't think I, I can't ever recall a ground share. Mm. Um, but uh, well, of course, Blackburn Olympic was very much the town team. That was a working men's club. Yeah, it, it was. Um, it was Rovers who were the uh, the public school boys. Yes, yeah, yeah. We were the the newcomers, as it were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Good. Good. Yeah. And that that, uh, that of course that discussion leads us uh, nicely on to <laughs> the game against Barnsley today. Um, we came into the game with only one point from our first three games. Um, a decent performance at uh, Derby got us a, a point, very well-deserved point at that. Uh, Forrest, um, rather unfortunate to to not come away with anything from the Forest game, and Doncaster deservedly not coming away with anything at all. Uh, pretty poor performance, especially in the second half. And... Um, it really was a, a must-win game for for Gary Boyer. But, uh, we ran out 5-2 winners. It uh, could have been much more. Um, absolutely fantastic uh, performance by the Rovers. Um, Cammy, you, you obviously you were sat, sat, uh, sat with me, and uh, I think uh, you, you were going for a few goals before the game, yeah? Yeah, I mean... I'm on a good run at the moment with predicting things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I said to you before before the game started that um, I fancied a four nil with, with Jordan Rhodes uh, getting back into form, and um, you know eventually it finished five two. But um, 
I thought um, first 10 minutes, uh, we, we started off very, very strongly, um, you know, pushing forward, full-backs getting forward, Josh King uh, causing them problems. Um, I think we had a couple of chances early on as well. Um, and it was very much against the run of play uh, that, that they took, that they actually took the lead. Um, you know, um, did the winger cut in and smashed it and uh, it looked like uh, Jake Keane was flat-footed uh, but it's uh, watching replays afterwards now uh, it looks like there was a deflection that actually sent the ball in the opposite direction to, to what it was going uh, originally so so um, you know um, maybe it wasn't a Jake Keane error as I thought at, at the ground but yeah I thought we started well uh, conceded a goal against the enough play but then reacted very well um, obviously, they had a man sent off, but um, fantastic free kick from Kearney uh, got us back level. Uh, then um, Jordan Road obviously um, got his two goals, um, and um, Josh King also uh, scored uh, to to give us a very comfortable four-one uh, lead at half time. Yeah, in a way, it's a pity that uh, we, we've we've hammered Barnsley, uh, but uh, they can point to a, a sending off, but. Really, even before they'd scored, uh, it was quite clear that you know we were we were dominating them. We were going to score a few, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we were well on top, um, um, straight from the off. Really um, pushed forward, had control of the game, and and you know thoroughly deserved uh, to to be four one up. So, Philip, you you saw the game uh, live as well. Um, what what did you make of that? Well, I, I thought it was an extremely encouraging performance, as Cammy says. Um, uh, in that first half, we attacked very well and very freely. Um, I would agree um, that, you know, from the television replays, it does look like uh, there was a bad deflection for their goal, which was really against runner play. Uh, I mean, one thing which struck me was that most of the goals were actually very, very good ones. Um, yeah, there, there, there were. Um, I thought Jordan Rhodes took his second goal beautifully. That, that was um, somewhat reminiscent of Matt Janssen's uh, popping it over the opposition keeper. Um, that was really uh, a class finish. Um, one worry which I got is that I don't feel that confident or comfortable when I see the opposition coming at Rovers these days. I don't think that defence is yet sorted out. Um, a big plus compared with last season is that we actually look like we've got a midfield. Um, so it's not, you know, nice through butter stuff. Um, when, when, uh, an attack of ours breaks down. But I have to say the defense doesn't look as solid, uh, as it did, uh, probably towards the end of last season. Yeah. yeah. I think the solidity thing was we have to say that Barnsley were just going for it, weren't they? Uh, um, they were they were pushing forward, pushing men forward, and we were in the second half um, playing very conservatively, like dropping off, um, maybe trying to conserve some energy. I don't know, uh, but in the second half we did drop off. Uh, had we needed to push on again, I think we we could could easily have done it because Barnsley were at times leaving just two at the back um, when, when yep. they were pushing forward. So so I think it was a normal game, so to speak, because. Um, Barnsley, even with 10 men, were playing at times kamikaze football in terms of the number of people they had 
uh, in forward positions. Uh, it was just that Rovers were, you know, 4-1 and 5-1 up and they decided just to sit and hold. Uh, and that made it look like uh, we were under a lot of pressure, but really we were just keeping our shape um, and, um, you know, um, making it hard for Barnsley to to create any clear-cut chances. And um, throughout the 90 minutes, I can't, apart from the two goals, I can't actually remember Keane touching the ball. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling there. Um, um, He didn't have a great deal to do at all, did he? No, because I can't remember him actually taking a goal kick (laughs) for long. (laughs) In the the first half, it was completely, we we played the game in day half. And even in the second half, when we dropped off, um, they they didn't really have any clear-cut chances. Yeah, yeah. In the first half before they scored, uh, I just remember one dangerous situation where the ball came in, I think, from the right. Uh, and that was about it, really. I mean, I, I tell you who was very, very impressive today um, uh, was Josh King. Um, his pace absolutely frightened the life out of the Barnsley right back. Um, he constantly running at that right back, constantly getting past him. And opening up space, not for, not only for himself, but for people like Kenny, um, Judge, Dunn and Rhodes, because Barnsley defence couldn't cope with, uh, King's pace down the left. Uh, unfortunately, just at this moment, his final ball, uh, six or seven times out of ten is pretty poor. Um, if he yeah. can sort his final ball out, uh, he can be a hell of a player, um, at this level. Um, you, we've seen, uh, in championship, uh, people like uh, Zaha and Tom Ince do really well over the last couple of years because they have that raw pace. And at this level, if you have that pace, then um, teams can't cope with it as well as the premiership sides do. So it always gives you a chance. Now, if King can uh, sort his final ball out, um, you know, then... Um, he can have a major, major impact for Rovers um, at this level. Um, but, but at least today, he gave a hundred and ten percent, full, full of effort, and um, he, he looked really, really good. And, and when he did provide final ball, um, you know, he, he was dangerous. Yeah, um, got to remember that he came from Manchester United, so uh, um, Sir Alex must have seen something in him. Um, not just the pace, but. Uh, um, the skill in getting past this player, he, he beat his player uh, for not just pace, but with, with skill on a number of occasions and, uh, you know, absolutely skinned him. Really, really good. Yeah. Like like you say, the the final ball is uh, not always, but often uh, lacking. Uh, one thing is, uh, today he didn't, he didn't have much to do defensively, did he? Um, he, no, he didn't have much uh, in a defensive sense um, to do uh, for large periods. But again, him and uh, Spur worked that left flank quite well. I thought um, you know they, they seemed to have a good understanding. Um, so yeah, defensively, he didn't have too much to do, um, and that's always a worry uh, with him. But um, you know, um, we'll, we'll find out next week when we play um, Bolton, which is a you know, completely different challenge to, to, to what it was today, uh, but but it was definitely encouraging um, uh, to, to see him do that. Yeah, which suggests to me that if you if you give him a free reign, uh, he'll be able to cause damage. If if he's got uh, yeah. the license to 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 attack 
uh, yeah. his defenders, uh, he'll be able to do damage there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be tempted to try him in uh, the role that Dunn was playing today, uh, you know, off Jordan Rhodes. Dunny had a kind of free role, and then when he went off, Judge uh, went in into that number 10 position, your know, false number 10, where he was, uh, he had a free license to go wherever he wanted. I, I'm just wondering whether it might be an idea to try King in that role, where he doesn't really have too many defensive responsibilities, but um, he can get into dangerous areas on uh, on the pitch and uh, with his pace. Um, he might mess a lot of teams up here because they'll have to adjust their shape to, to cope with his pace. So that would be a, 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 an interesting sort of experiment to try at some point, uh, giving him a free role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Philip, uh, what did you make of uh, Josh King's contribution? Of course, he was voted man of, man of the match uh, down at the down at Ewood. Yeah, and deservedly so. I mean, he, <laughs> as you've both been saying, I mean, he did terrify that uh, Marnsley fullback who will be having nightmares tonight <laughs> uh, about um, seeing King and then uh, hearing him uh, scampering away from him behind him. Um, I thought he uh, he had an absolutely excellent game. Uh, yes, uh, many of his final balls weren't good, but I think he laid on um, one of uh, the goals. I think he wasn't he the cause of uh, of the the um, what was eventually the headed goal by um, by Rhodes, which put us two one up. Um, I think he had a big hand in that one. I might I might be wrong, but it was uh, it was difficult to see from the uh, the screen was a little bit grainy. Um, but no, he was he he was outstanding, and I must admit, um, end of last season, I was beginning to think, what on earth have we got here in, in King? I really didn't rate him at all. So it's wonderful to see the guy fit and running so fast and doing so with such imagination. I mean, you know, I think he does look uh, encouraging for for this season. Um, quite how um, you know Taylor sort of fits into the picture because I think Taylor's a very good player, um, and obviously he came on when when King went off. Um, I'd, I'd like to see Taylor have a, a bit more of a role, but of course, um, you know, unless King gets moved into that whole position, which I think is a good idea of Cammy's, um, then we're not going to see too much of Taylor, unfortunately. I mean, it's, it's good to have these options more than anything else. Um, in, in wide areas and and that flexibility of uh, certain players who you can put into that uh, uh, number 10 position. You've got Dunn, you've got Judge, possibly King, plus we've got the wingers. Um, so we do have options um, uh, out wide and um, in that position behind uh, Jordan Roden. That's excluding um, Ruben Ricina who's who's currently injured so so I think we're quite well stocked in those areas um, those areas um, so so it, it definitely gives a boy some options uh, to either change personnel or to change shape throughout the game so so, so that's good to have mm-hmm. yeah we had the, uh... the, the other interesting one um, today I'd like to get both your opinions is uh, Leon Best um, you know as we all know there's been um, a big cost cutting exercise going on at Rovers um, uh, this this season you know, where we've got rid of the big earners and you know we were 4-1 up um, and I think we were in fact 5-1 up um, and when the subs were warming up um, I think I saw him warm up once um, but I thought well with 4-5-1 up we may see Jordan Rhodes taken off or 
uh, we might go to two up front and give Leon Bester an out, but um, that didn't happen. Um, in fact, he only warmed up once. Um, I do know he's unhappy about um, not being involved in the team, uh, you know, being dropped to a bench, and, and now he's not even coming on. With that and the cost-cutting exercise going on, I don't think uh, Rovers will want to keep someone, a non-playing sub, such as uh, Leon Best, um, uh, with the wages that we're paying him. So I'm just wondering whether uh, he may be the next one that's uh, shipped out because you know he's not been involved uh, again today. He's on big wages. Um, he's not happy about being dropped. Um, so that might be a, an interesting one to see how that develops because he's, you know the money he's on, I, I can't see always wanting to keep him as a non-playing sub. No, I don't. I think you're pretty right there, uh, Cammy. Um, I, I think, uh, obviously the poor lads had that terrible injury last season, rushed back when not fit. Um, so wasn't able to give a, a good account of himself. And we haven't really seen, um, probably what he's capable of, uh, this season apart from, uh, the shinned volley against, uh, Derby. Um, I, you know, in an ideal world, we'd keep him because, you know, you know, what happens if Jordan uh, Rhodes gets injured? Uh, God forbid. But, um, you know, I, I'd, um, I think you're right that, uh, if, if an offer were to come in for him, uh, before the deadline, he'll, he'll be gone. With, uh, Boyer looking at other, um, players in, in, uh, forward areas, um, you know, I know they've been scouting far and wide. Um, Boyer was at the under 21 game between Liverpool and United. And I believe the scouts are out and about this weekend as well. Um, so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering whether that'll be something that they look at. If they can get, um, best, uh, big wages off the books, then it may allow them to bring, uh, yeah. another striker in, in, in place of him. But, um, I, I just got a feeling that um, he's not being involved and the players who aren't, aren't going to be involved that were on big wages, they've all been moved out or we've tried to move them all out. So I'm just wondering whether he's going to be the last one. And I agree with you, Philip. Uh, he came back when he was clearly not fit last season. Um, I thought he did well against Derby. Um, you know, he did, the, yes. Yeah, you know, when after Ruben went off, um, I thought, I thought he did well, and then he hasn't really played since then. Um, um, I mean, you know, today was the ideal opportunity in many respects when we were 5 1 up to bring him on, um, in a non pressurized situation and, and see what he can do, but, um, um, Boyer chose not to do that. So, so yeah, I think that's one, one to watch. Um, Obviously, with Jordan Rhodes, the transfer windows cl- uh, coming to a, a close in, on the 2nd of September, um, you know, there could be a bid uh, for him as well. Yeah. Do we still have some scouts? We have, yeah, yeah. Uh, boy, uh, boy <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the pejorative question. <laughs> yeah, uh, we did have, uh, as you know, we had that superb yes. scouting team that a certain person decided to dismantle over two years. Um, yep. So we've lost all of them. But uh, Boyer's brought in three or four people um, to to help him with his with his scouting, and and he's been doing a lot himself. And Terry McPhillips has been going out as well. So between between them all, they've all you know they've been doing scouting and and been very very busy in that respect. Mm-hmm. 
the the other interesting thing today, what I've learned is that um, there were a number of scouts from Premier League clubs um, at EU today. Uh, apparently, I mean, I've not had this verified, so I need to check it. But um, uh, someone who's semi-reliable has told me that uh, West Bromwich Albion's uh, chief scout was at uh, Ewood today. Now, as we know, Nicholas Anelka um, could be uh, leaving uh, West Brom while retiring uh, after the uh, sad death of his very close friend and an agent. Um, I think he's told Clark that he wants to just retire from football full stop. He can't concentrate on it after what's happened. Uh, so they're a striker down now with, you know, Lukaku's gone. Odin Wingy's not going to be playing anytime soon for them. So, so uh, the chief scout could only really have been watching either Scott Dan or, or, uh, Jordan Rhodes. And, um, I suspect it was, it was, it was Jordan Rhodes. And yeah. obviously his two goals today. <laughs> uh, uh, I suspect there might have been a glowing report going back. Yes, I, I could see that. We also had uh, first goals for the club in league competition for Tom Kearney and also for Todd Kane. Fantastic uh, that uh, they could uh, contribute in that way. Uh, brilliant first uh, first goal, the opening goal from uh, Tom Kearney. Uh, free kick from about 20, 21 yards maybe. Um, arrowed into the top corner and brought us back into the match. Set us up for for the win and uh, Todd Kane uh, from oh it was a good 20 odd yards wasn't it um, it uh, ha- hammered it uh, uh, towards the goal and slightly fortunate that the, the, the goalkeeper uh, didn't keep it out but possibly um, a sl- slight, uh, slight movement in the air that uh, caught the keeper out it's good for uh, new players to, to be getting uh, on the on the score sheet uh, early on in their Rovers career, in, in the case of Tom Kearney, and it's good for a uh, fullback uh, to be getting on the on the score sheet at any time in Todd Kane. Yeah. Um, Cammy, do do you, do you have any any thoughts on uh, on the goals themselves? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously the um, the two uh, well, the Kearney goal was just fantastic. It was smashed, you know, like you said into the top corner from sort of 20 odd yards. Fantastic technique, uh, with that one. Uh, Jordan's two goals were, uh, uh, both really good, uh, in different ways. The first one, a header, uh, which, you know, from a very tight angle, uh, you know, he, he put that one away brilliantly. And then obviously that, um, goal gave him a big lift. Uh, in terms of confidence, and then his second goal was just a sublime chip over the keeper after making a very clever run. Um, and then second, um, the Josh King one was—I thought it was a really good counter attack. Uh, we brought Todd Kane brought down the right, put a ball in. Yep. Uh, Jordan Rhodes were inches away from <laughs> from getting his hat trick, and uh, but uh, King was there on the follow up, so that was a good goal. And then. Like you said, the Todd Kane one was um, slightly for- fortunate that the, the keeper seemed to punch it to his own head almost. Uh, yeah. But uh, but it was a good break forward, and I was quite happy uh, that Todd Kane uh, with Todd Kane's performance because he's not got off to the best start uh, to the season. Yeah, he wasn't showing the form that he did 
towards the back end of last season. But uh, today it was the Todd Kane that we fell in love with last season. Uh, he was pushing forward. He was uh, good defensively. Um, I think you noticed when uh, right near the end, uh, in the first few games, he's been taking the ball and cutting into dangerous areas and, and causing us problems in defence. But at the end, uh, he was knocking the ball out rather than taking that extra touch and trying to cut back inside. He just knocked it out for a throw-in and it allowed us to uh, get our shape back. So, so yeah, it's good to see see him do well as well. Yeah, I was uh, disappointed, as I said uh, in, in previous podcasts, with uh, Todd Kane's performances. Uh, but it was good to see that uh, he was involved in three of the goals today. And also defensively, he looked a bit more solid and uh, uh, did what good defenders do, and that's safety first. Uh, mm. uh, like you say, he he didn't cut inside. Towards the end, we're safe, we're going to win, but uh, um, he, he didn't cut inside. He just put the ball out and uh, got back to his uh, uh, defensive duties. Um, it's uh, it's much better than what I saw at uh, Derby, uh, mm. uh, Forest, and uh, also Doncaster, where he was taking that little bit of a risk and trying to play himself out of trouble. And uh, he was getting caught in too, uh, in too many dangerous situations. Uh, mm. One or two hospital passes that he was giving. So, yeah, um, it's much, much, much better, I, I thought, from uh, from Todd Kane. Well, well done to him. Great, great. Philip? Well, as I say, I, I think the quality of the goals all round were, were, was... was um, uh, top notch. I mean, the, uh, the free kick was superb. I mean, it caught me completely by surprise. Um, when it went in, I was a very, very pleasant surprise. But I think all the goals were, were, were well worked, well executed. Um, so, um, yeah, extremely pleasing. Um, defensively, uh, we, we looked pre- pretty solid for most of the game. And, uh, as I've noticed from the, the minimal amount that I've seen, uh, th- there seems to be these uh, brief uh, interludes of Keystone Cops stuff. Uh, we're letting what I th- consider to be two soft goals. Um, well, indeed. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this was my comment at the start. I know that Barnsley didn't have much of the game, you know, and yet has scored the two goals. And there were the moments of Keystone Cops. It, it was, um, it's unsettling. You know, you got a feeling that, um, play like that against, um, one of the top sides in the division and we'll, we'll pay for it. You know, no matter how good we might be going forward at the other end, uh, we're going to leak goals. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can, uh, I don't, I don't know how, but <laughs> hopefully we can, uh, develop our, our, our defensive, uh, 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 structure and uh, organisation, so that uh, we're, we're not giving away these uh, opportunities and these silly goals. Um, Jason Law, uh, once again, full of energy. Uh, he really, uh, it, it, I'm so impressed with his athleticism. He really gets up and down that pitch. Uh, once again, I was commenting on uh, his ability to get back and put in tackles clean up, cover for full-backs and stuff. Uh, Cammy, uh, how, how did you think of uh, Jason Law's uh, performance today? Yeah, I mean, I thought in a defensive sense, he, he was good. Um, he uh, covered full-backs when they went forward. Um, he was there 
a number of times where um, Barnsley were, were breaking and uh, maybe our full-back or the other midfielder was, was caught out of position. Um, it was Lowy who was in there um, providing that cover. So that part of his game is absolute, it's, it's fine. You know, it's, it's really good. Um, the other side of the game where when he's in possession of the ball, it still needs uh, quite a lot of work, I, I would say. Um, it was much better today, uh, particularly in the first half where he was passing the ball forward. Um, he was trying to get involved in attacks. Uh, there was uh, one one time where he passed the ball forward and carried on his run and then got on to the end of, of the cross and um, he, unlucky that his shot hit the defender on the head. Otherwise, um, that that was possibly going in. Um, so so he was a bit unlucky in that respect. But um, uh, yeah, I thought he had it was a decent performance by him. But um, it's just that that going forward, um, the passing side of things, which um, he, he still needs to work on. And uh, against better opposition in this league, um, um, you, you need to give that team. That little bit of extra uh, in in an attacking sense, um, and you know, hopefully, uh, he, you know, Boyer and his team can work on 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 that side of his game. But um, in a defensive sense, he he brings a lot, I think, to us. Uh, he, he helps the defense a lot as well. I would agree, and um, you know, I'm not one of those who uh, is in the chorus which beat up on on Lowe. He seemed to be. Uh, the uh, the new Keith Andrews at times on the message board. Um, I I would say that the nicest thing I could say about Jason Lowe is I didn't really notice him. Um, in previous games, you notice him because there's a good ball on and the ball's going sideways or backwards when it leaves his boot. But um, as you say, he seemed to have uh, got the confidence to... You know, find a different range of passing and certainly a different direction of passing today, which is all to the good. Yeah, definite. Uh, it, it was uh, much improved in the attacking sense from it, but, uh, um, you know, we'll probably get a better indication um, against Bolton, but um, it's, a, it's a quandary really because in a defensive sense, he, he does bring a lot to us and it's, it's the kind of player that we need. Uh, it's just that going forward bit that uh, he needs to work on. But uh, like you, um, I, I think I said on the last podcast, I, I'd never boo or, or get on his back because um, I, you know, I see all the work that he does off the ball uh, for yeah. us, and and what you know what he brings. His strengths are that work uh, that work rate off the ball, covering defenders, covering fullbacks, breaking up attacks, um, and helping that sense. Um, so you know that's just as important as the going yes. forward parts of of a game. And um, you know, so I, I appreciate what he does in that respect. And I know he may you know he's not your flashy sixty yard passes or anything. And you know, I think everyone knows. He has limitations in that respect, but um, hopefully he can carry on working on that side of his game and he can develop it. Um, but um, I think uh, people just need to be a bit more patient with him because um, mm-hmm. defensively um, he does he does give us a lot. Um, and you know that's where he differed from Keith Andrews, where Keith Andrews would just run around waving his arms <laughs> uh, and mm-hmm. not offer anything going forward or coming backwards. Um, 
I think law uh, does does offer uh, good defensive protection to 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 our back four. And of course, you know he was regular in the England under twenty one side, and they were very bad England under twenty one side. But you know that's not something to be sniffed at. Yeah, he was captain for a while as well. You know, so, yeah, quite. You know, so it's it's uh, it's obviously people have seen something in him. Yeah. Now uh, today's victory means that uh, Gary Boyer's position is considerably better than it was before the game. Uh, there were kind of murmurings that uh, uh, before the match that uh, lose this one and uh, he, he may be uh, in, a, in a, a difficult position, so we say. Cammy, uh, what's, what's your view of uh, Gary Boyer and uh, how his position has changed with the victory? Yeah, I, I was delighted uh, for him that we got this victory and a convincing one in the end um, because... Um, Really good sources in Pune, in particular, have been sort of telling me all week that uh, there are certain people um, trying to get the owners to to make a change or trying to put uh, seeds of doubt um, in in the owners' minds. Uh, the good news is, thus far, I mean, a, a certain advisor. Well, I. I, I I'm, I'm not going, well, everyone can guess, can't they? I'm not going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say. Uh, uh, making the guess a little bit too easy. Yes, easy, go on. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> they've been putting the seeds of doubt uh, in the owners' minds. Uh, the, the good news is those people haven't been, uh, their advice or whatever hasn't been taken up by the owners just yet. But had we lost, um, you know, today or got a, you know, um, yeah, had we had lost today, then um, those people uh, would have really uh, be put the pressure on the owners to to try you know try and get them to make a change. And uh, there was a feeling um, around Pune that you know had we lost, then those people may be listened to over the next week or so. So uh, particularly with Bolton coming up next weekend, you know that that's not an easy game. So. Uh, the, the the pressure would have been immense on on Boyer by then if he even survived that long. So this victory now will hopefully give him a bit of breathing space um, and um, you know help him. sort of we've got Bolton and then we've got a two week international break after that. So hopefully he can use that time uh, to to further gel the team together because uh, I think people need to realise he's. Um, completely reorganised the the playing side of, of the club. Um, um, I had the opportunity um, sort of earlier this week just to to, to see firsthand uh, the, the the kind of changes that have been made um, at Ewood on the playing side. And uh, believe me, believe you me, it's been a huge amount of changes that he's made. Yeah, both uh, on and off the pitch, um, and with all the new coaches coming in, you know, Craig Short, etc. Uh, there's massive change being made, and you know we've had two years of mismanagement, on the playing side of things. So, you know, he's not a miracle worker. It does take time uh, to 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 for these changes to bed in, uh, and and you know, hopefully with this win, it gives him just that little bit of extra time and players can get a bit of belief as well and, and we can move on on forward from there because it's ridiculous uh, if a manager's 
judged after four four league games, you know, uh, you, you, uh, you've got to give um, a manager at least 15 games. And I think 15 games is ridiculous, but at least give him that 15 games, uh, especially considering... Uh, the, the big changes that have been made at Rovers over the summer and the limited budgets um, that he's working under. So, you know, um, I'm absolutely delighted for it that uh, we've got this win and that will now give him the breathing room uh, to, uh, you know, continue making changes and gelling the team together. And uh, you've got Bolton next week. If you can get a positive result there, then then it's that two-week build-up to the to the big one uh, at, at Turf Moor. Um, but absolutely delighted for him tonight. Yep, totally agree. This is interesting. It kind of leads into uh, a, a subject that uh, OJ Rovers has uh, brought up on the BRFCS podcast number 63 thread. Um, in the last podcast, uh, I think I was saying that uh, uh, we should adjust her, her, uh, her expectations uh, on, on the basis that I don't think that uh, we're a Premier League uh, outfit anymore uh, in terms of uh, our uh, playing staff and also the way that we're set up. Uh, now, uh, OJ Rovers uh, is quite rightly pointing out to the, to the, to the fact that you know, we've got uh, the likes of, uh, and he names DJ Campbell, Leon Best, Etuhu Pedersen, Dan Give, etc. Um, but um, I think the point that we were trying to make last week was that it, it's it's not merely that superficial thing, but it, it's something uh, that you've just mentioned there, Cam. It, it, it's uh, it, it it goes down to the, the very roots of of how the uh, the guts of the of, of the uh, club have been wrenched out by. Uh, the previous regime and how Gary Boyer is left uh, to uh, put put the flesh back on the skeleton, as it were. Um, h- how would you explain this to people, Cammy? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I respect uh, you know, what OJ is saying. Um, and in some respects, he's right. You know, we do have a lot of big earners and we do have a big wage budget. Um, but... The fact is, um, at the moment, we are now reducing the wage budgets. So, so on the financial side, you know, there's clubs uh, in this division with much bigger wage budgets than what we will have come the second of September. So, there is a cost-cutting exercise going on. And uh, in football, uh, at any level, uh, if if you don't spend the money, then you've got to adjust your expectations. Now, that's not to say that money uh, equals success because it doesn't. You know, we, we, we're living proof of that um, from last year, you know, last season. We, we had the biggest wage budget. We spent the most money, I think, in, in, in the championship and we nearly got relegated. So it's not all just about money or, or wage budgets. Uh, it's about how your club is set up. And, um, you know, we're a million miles away from being a well-run club. And the um, example I'll give you is um, whole city um, who, when they came down, were in dire trouble. Uh, the club wasn't being run properly uh, on and off the pitch. And they struggled for a couple of seasons in the championship. Um, and 
But in that time, what they did do was they started to restructure the club. Um, first, the executive structure was sorted out, um, and then they bought Steve Bruce in um, d- during last summer, um, summer 2012. And what he did was is he, over that summer, restructured the playing side of things because um, it had been totally destroyed uh, because of the executive mismanagement of that particular club. Uh, Bruce came in and he spent the summer uh, restructuring that club. And I think after four games, they were in the relegation zone um, last season. But uh, because Bruce had restructured the club, very well, and he's he's a bit more experienced manager than what um, uh, Boyer is. Uh, he managed to turn things around uh, more, uh, very quickly, and eventually they got into a position to um, to to be challenging for for promotion. And eventually they went up. But what they did was they first of all sorted out the executive structure of the club, and then the playing side of things. And that took them, I think, three years. Or three or four years um, uh, after relegation, and, and they went up. And it's a similar story um, at Cardiff and uh, at, at Crystal Palace. Uh, to go up is not just about financial resources. You've got to be a, a well-run football club uh, off the pitch, and your executive structure has to be good, and and the whole package has to be good. And unfortunately, we're a million miles away from that. Um, we've made some good positive steps over the last three or four months, but we're you know we're nowhere near a well-run football club. Um, so 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 it's in that context that I was saying that uh, we have to uh, lower our expectations, and um, the reason why I was saying I, I wasn't too disappointed with going out of the calling or the League Cup, whatever it's called nowadays. Um, you know, I hate Rovers losing, absolutely hate it. And, uh, you know, I'd love to have cup runs, but with the way the club is, I think just focusing on one competition, which is the league competition, uh, might be beneficial to us this season because uh, of of the number of changes we're making. And, and uh, you know, that, that focus on the league uh, may help us. Now, I'd love... For us to to have a good run and and get into the in uh, in into a promotion spot, you know, everyone wants that, and I'd be delighted. But I just don't think we're we're quite there this season. Um, um, maybe we can get into the playoffs, you know, if we have a good run. Um, but I what I firmly believe is we've got the man in at the club in Gary Boyer, who uh, if given the time and patience. Uh, he can turn things around for us. I, I firmly believe that. And uh, what I've seen uh, him do off the pitch uh, just further reinforces that belief. I would, I would back that up. I mean, quite honestly, um, yeah, the, the tragedy is, I mean, if you look at Rovers today compared with what we were in October 2010, you know, in October 2010, we were every inch of the club, a Premier League club, Premier League in every aspect of the, of the business, uh, from chairman to, to, to toilet cleaner. Uh, now we are not Premier League in every inch of that club. And that goes from chairman to toilet cleaner, I'm afraid to say. Um, you know, Gary Boyer, 
is finally we've got somebody who is booking the trend of this descent to mediocrity. And um, I've got a great deal of faith in Gary Boyer. I think he, he's making a lot of good moves in terms of um, the playing staff, and even though we're having to cut the wage bills, I, I've got a sneaking suspicion that we could have a very good season under Gary Boyer. So to that extent, I would say, yeah, you know, let's not abandon hope in terms of you know having a run at promotion. Um, it, I, you know, logic says quite honestly that we're not good enough to be uh, in contention for promotion that we shouldn't have the chance of doing so but you know uh, when we're football supporters ever logical I've got a I've got a sneaking uh, sneaking feeling that we could have a very good season under Gary Boyer but all around him I you know um, and certainly above him we're talking about idiots and dross uh, you know and that's probably being polite and kind yeah, I think uh, there there's a, a couple of different arguments going on and uh, both are entirely valid in their own rights. Um, I, I think it's okay to to see the reality of the situation, uh, you know, which is, uh, as, as, as you're both aware, uh, the, the, the club is no longer as it was uh, two, two and a half years ago in terms of its uh, setup and structure. The way it's run and everything, uh, and, and that goes right down to to the playing staff. Um, you, you can accept that, but at the same time, as a supporter, uh, you can still expect things of the players that go out onto the pitch. You expect them to give a hundred percent, and uh, you be, you expect them to be able to do the, the basics that a professional footballer is paid to do. And uh, just just looking at the playing staff that's there. There's no reason in, in, in one sense that uh, they can't get out of this division uh, and get into the playoffs or even possibly um, into the automatic spots. There's no reason why we can't. Uh, so I, you know, I see these, these arguments on, 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 on separate levels. Um, and you know, as a supporter, of course, we want, we want the Rovers to, to do well. But, uh, I, 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 you know, I think that there has to be a, a certain level of reality uh, brought into uh, the equation, and uh, we we have to recalibrate. I think is the word that we're using on the lab po- last podcast. Uh, we have to to recalibrate our our uh, not not so much our expectations, but uh, our evaluation of how how the the team is performing and how the uh, uh, how the club is uh, at, at the present moment. I would agree. I mean, quite honestly, I mean, you know, if the current setup of Blackburn Rovers were to win promotion to the Premier League, it would be like Mr. Bean goes to the Premier League. Yeah, uh, certainly defensively. <laughs> yeah, but uh, mm, I mean, there's a uh, there is no reason why Mr. Bean can't go to the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But, uh, but I mean, underlying that, there is a very serious issue of, uh, uh, you know, the, the governance of the football club. And uh, I, I think financial fair play, uh, balancing the books and that, that kind of discussion, hopefully we'll be able to discuss that in coming weeks on the podcast. I, I don't know whether the impact of uh, FFP 
and uh, our current financial plight uh, has been fully comprehended. As, as far as I can see, uh, just from what we were discussing uh, last season, uh, we're, we're in an extremely difficult situation, to say the very least. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think if we can stay in this division for this for this uh, coming season, um, you know, uh, at least we're not going to do a, a Portsmouth. I wouldn't be that com. I wouldn't be that confident. I'm afraid. I think uh, FFP um, is effectively killing what little chance we've got. Um, I've got a feeling that, um, from what I hear, um, that um, you know that the folks in Poon probably would have put more money in this year. Um, that they are constrained by FFP, and you know. Um, Next year, the um, parachute payments reduce, I believe, and you know, I, I if we, it's an awful thing to say, but uh, you know, I think we've got to be on our prayer mats, hoping we go up this season, you know, Mr. Bean or no, um, because I don't. If we don't go up this season, I think the finances are going to mean that there's only one exit for us, and that's going to be down. Yeah, I mean. There are rumours that uh, the parachute payments for this year are already accounted for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the good thing is, uh, in terms of the wage budget, which is what they've been concentrating on. Uh, should we uh, get rid of um, people like GV, uh, Paul Robinson, um, Best, you know, in the next year or so? Thought would be in addition to what we've already got rid of, um, I think our wage budget will be, um, you know, way, way below what we were spending last season. So, so I think that's been brought under control. So what that should mean, uh, with what Boyer's doing is he's bringing in young up and coming players, um, uh, you know, like Judge, Morrow, Taylor, uh, those are players that he's had previously, so the money they're on is nowhere near what the likes of Murphy, Etu, and all these guys uh, were on or are on. So I think our wage budget will be well under control. Um, and if Boyer continues with this policy of uh, uh, bringing young and up-and-coming players or uh, using our our academy players, then um, you know. We could do what the likes of Norwich and Southampton did when they went up, uh, which was, and even Swansea to some extent, but they're an exceptional case. But Norwich and Southampton um, went up with um, a mixture of um, young players uh, that they'd bought through or that they'd picked up um, uh, f- f- from lower leagues and the, the odd experience head and they got a blend, blend right. And, and Reading did it uh, uh, the year they went up as well. So, you know, I think if we can stabilise in the championship and then Boyer has that time to, to you know, develop the squad, then there is a chance, you know. Uh, people like Crystal Palace last season, they proved it. Um, even Hull, uh, you know, they didn't spend masses of money. Uh, they just did it on loan, loan ease, and, and, and they went up that way. So it can be done. Um, you know, but um, 
it just needs uh, maybe a little bit of time. And if our wage budget is under control, then those costs have been reduced. I, I know the money coming in is less as well, but uh, hopefully um, you know, we could, it can enable us to stabilise in the championship and then take it on from there. I mean, Cammy, the problem with that is the if word about the wage. You know, you mentioned five players who are still on the books at Rovers. You know, those five alone are, I don't know, gamble, you know, eight, nine million pounds between them. You know, um. But it's like the likes of GV and Robinson, um, their contracts will, will have expired. But by the summer, so you know if they're still here. Yeah, but mm-hmm. no, but I mean that that's eight million disappearing this year, which is an enormous uh, dead weight. Oh yes, dead weight, you know. But compared to what we were spending, say a month ago, you know, it's yeah, much, yeah, no, much, I mean, it's much, coming down. Yeah, but rapidly, yeah. and yeah, you know, you know, people like Best and Etuhu, I think. You know, we can get, we can move them on if, if we needed to. You know, I don't, I, you know, I, I think I'd be inclined to give both them another chance because I think there were mitigating circumstances for a two last season because he was playing with, he was a one man midfield really, uh, because Murphy was offering nothing and, and best obviously with his injury. So, but I think, you know, I think they can bring the cost under control. Um, yeah. but, but obviously, you know, we, we're dealing with owners who change their mind and are well capable of making a stupid decision which throws us back into a crisis at, at any moment, you know, that they Indeed, absolutely yeah. care. They've, history with the, with Venkis has proven that we're, at my default position with them is we're two weeks away from a crisis at any time, you know, because they, they're capable of, of making that kind of decision. But, just at this moment, it does seem to be that the pennies drop with them, that they need to run this club properly and they need to bring costs down. Um, even if there is a willing, there is willing there for them to put the money in, but they can't do because of FFP. Um, um, you know, but they are getting advice. I can't say much more on this because I'll, I'll get someone into trouble, but, um, they are getting advice from someone, a company based in London, with regards to FFP. So, so you know, th- there could be some developed developments uh, coming up in, in the near future because uh, this company that's uh, advising them has also advised Paris Saint-Germain uh, and Manchester City with regards to FFP. I'm told. So, so you know, I'm going to keep an eye on that. But um, yeah. I think they are, they are. They are trying to run the club in some sensible way at the moment, but you know these Venkis and they're capable of anything. But uh, you know we'll we'll just have to wait and see what happens this season and what happens next summer if we're still in the championship, and then then take it from there. But uh, that there is a scenario that I can see uh, uh, when I look at the likes of Hull, Crystal Palace, etc that you can go without having to spend masses of money. But um, to do that, you need a, a well-run club. And, and, Not well, quite. <laughs> a million miles away from that. Absolutely. Yeah, so we were discussing there about people who have to be moved on for financial reasons. Uh, today, uh, after the game, Morton Gams-Pedersen came onto the pitch 
and gave a, a very emotional uh, goodbye to the Blackburn end, uh, putting his hand on his heart, uh, indicating uh, how much he loved it uh, uh, here at the club, how much he loved the, the fans and everything. Um, I think, uh, it, you know, it, it's 10 years since he signed for the club in two days' time. And, uh, yeah, it, it's an awful long time, you know, in the 21st century to be at, at a single club. Indicates just how loyal he's been to the club. Uh, I think people may say, oh, he's been on an easy ride or, or you know, he's uh, he's had it good here. But, you know, he, he quite obviously loves the club. Um, model professional. Uh, this last week, he uh, said that he really wanted to play for the under twenty ones for the full game, just so that he could ke- keep fit. Uh, he is a model professional. Uh, he's given his all to his uh, to his beloved Blackburn Rovers, uh, <clears throat> and now he's saying goodbye to the Rovers, uh, the Rovers fans. Uh, he's off to Karab Kuspo uh, in in the next week, we believe. Cami, do you have anything to say to to Gamst? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got utmost respect for uh, Morton as a player, as a professional, and and as a man. Um, uh, I have the privilege of, of knowing him and and uh, speaking to him on a number of occasions. You know, and uh, you know, he's he loves the club. Um, as simple as that. Um, he's he's a Rovers fan. Uh, he's loved playing for the club. Um, uh, he's you know he's he 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 had opportunities to move to much bigger clubs than Rovers, but uh, he he loved he loved Rovers. He loved playing at Rovers, and uh, you know he he turned down those opportunities because um, he wanted because he was enjoying himself uh, as Rovers. He liked the people at the club, um, the way it was run, the the family atmosphere. Um, you know, so so when he had the chance, uh, he didn't move on. Uh, you know, his performances over the last two three years are at the standard that even he would expect. You know, you, you know, there's no hiding that. Um, at times, his performances haven't been good enough, but that's not through uh, any lack of effort. You know, whenever he plays, he he gives it his all, and and he's same in training, and he's fantastic in the training room with with the young lads in particular. Uh, he's low, you know, even all, all throughout the club. He knows everyone. He knows all the staff, um, non-playing staff as well. Uh, they, they all get on with him. Uh, and, you know, he's been, um, at the club, um, sort of through good times and bad, you know, he, he stuck with it. And, um, you know, when he goes on the pitch, you can always guarantee that he's going to give it his all, you know, and that, that, that that's all you can ask from from a player really uh, that that he gives it a hundred percent and and like like I said he's a great person to have in your changing room as well um, it was a bit disappointing today that uh, they didn't bring him on at half time um, uh, it would have been really good if he came on at half time um, to to say his goodbyes because just at the end of the game quite a lot of people had already left and I, I know I've seen um, on Twitter. Uh, that a few people were disappointed that they missed out on him on giving him a good send off. Um, um, I'm also told that after the game, uh, he was very, very emotional, uh, when he was saying goodbye, uh, to, to a lot of the Rover staff. 
uh, you know, the match day staff and the admin staff uh, uh, in the background who who he knows very well. I'm told he was very very emotional. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I, I'd just like to say uh, thank you to Morton uh, for for everything that he's done uh, for the club um, um, and uh, for for being a real gentleman and. Um, you know, thanks for, for everything he's done for myself and for BRFCS as well. Um, cause, um, in the past he's helped us out quite a bit as well, uh, with, with stuff. So, so I just like to say, um, thank you to him and, uh, wish him all the very, very best, um, in Turkey and, uh, you know, onwards from there. And, um, I'm, I'm hoping that at some point in the future, uh, that he can, um, you know, come back to the club in, in some capacity because, um, he's, he really is a, a very, very classy individual. And, um, if you, within this game, um, there are very, very, very few people, um, like Morton Gamps Pedersen. And, you know, he can hold his head high. Um, and, you know, you will know, always be a, a Rovers legend in my book. Uh, I'd echo that coming. I think uh, he's a great guy. And, you know, sort of looking back over those 10 years, I have to say that Morton has scored a high proportion of some of my favourite Rovers goals. Um, I think one which I'll never forget is that uh, volley he smashed in, uh, full volley um, against Fulham uh, from the Shefki Kuchi uh, Cross. I mean, that game, <laughs> we saw two amazing goals because it was also um, the one where two guys volleyed in from, direct from the corner. Um, but I mean, that was a fabulous goal. In fact, he, he had a, a habit at that time of uh, smashing spectacular volleys into the net. Um, and, of course, uh, we all love him for that winner against Burnley in the FA Cup, <laughs> which was absolutely wonderful. And um, the double he got at Man U when we won at uh, Old Trafford. Um, you know, he was one of the best dead ball specialists in the game for many years. Uh, let's not forget that. I mean, the guy could curl that ball in, you know, bend it like Beckham. Well, I mean, Gams was up there with him. So I think many, many fond memories of uh, Gamp's performances. I, I'll tell you what what sums up uh, Morton as a person. Um, he joined, um, uh, it was Manchester United we were playing, it was Sunes's, it turned out to be great, Sunes's last game before he went to, to, um, to Newcastle. So he joined uh, at that time and then Sunes yeah. went off and he didn't play another first team game until the following January. That was because right. he went and, you know, I used to watch a lot of reserve football at that time as well. And what he did was he went to the reserves um, and he worked and worked and worked and worked and uh, remodeled his game in some respects because he realized the way he was playing wasn't suited to, to the Premier League. So he went and he spent four months in the reserves slogging away working on things and remodelling himself slightly so that he could cope with the demands of the Premier League. And then when he was ready in, in January, that's when he said to, to Mark Hughes, like, I'm ready now and give me a go. And, you know, after that, he was brilliant. Um, but Absolutely. It, sh it tells you about Morton, the person, that he was prepared to 
go away from the limelight for three or four months, work with the reserves, go to reserve team games and remodel his games slightly so that he could cope uh, with the Premier League when he when he came, you know, when he when he got another chance in the first team. And yeah. you know, that that's what you call a model professional. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, you know, he he took his football seriously, and um, you know when he came back, he was brilliant. And you know there's not many players who do that. You know, you know. Right. He, he, Didn't he score at Cardiff in the in the FA Cup? Um, that yeah. was his first game for for, for, for Sparky. Yeah, when he um, came. Yeah. Yeah, he came back, and and you know I think Aaron McQuainer was back. Uh, was and Ryan Nelson was signed at the same time, yeah. and mm-hmm. it was like Pedersen was like a brand new signing because you know. He, he, he'd gone and worked on things, so you know him and Nelson. Those are really good professionals, you know. And and Absolutely. that that that's my favorite memory of Morton, seeing him yeah. slogging away in the reserves. And you know, when I saw him playing the reserve first time, I thought this guy's rubbish. You know, what the hell have we signed here? But what he was doing, he was remodeling his game, and mm-hmm. um, end result was what we saw four months afterwards. Um, you know, that yeah. that sums Morton up for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ironically, I think uh, if you'd have asked me three, four years ago uh, whether we should keep Morton or not, uh, I would have said uh, no. Let's uh, let's replace him. We're still in the Premier League then. Now, of course, uh, we're very much in need of uh, some experienced players, not just in the team but in the squad and down at uh, Brockall uh, to to look, look after these younger players. And um, ironically, if it weren't for financial matters, uh, I'd say uh, we should keep him. But, um, unfortunately, I would agree, yeah. Unfortunately, um, these are the times we live in uh, down at uh, Blackburn. But, uh, yeah, uh, j- just one thing I'd like to put out there. Um, there was times when he was playing under Mark Hughes where he was absolutely sensational. Uh, yep. His dead ball delivery was fantastic. Um, he was scoring a number of free kicks. And there was a, an interview, I think, in the Lancashire Evening Telegraph, I think it was that still, so the LET at the time, uh, interview with Mark Hughes, who was talking about neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. don't know if you remember this. And uh, he was talking about Morton, if I remember correctly, and just after that, I think it was, um, Morton put in a very late winner against Sheffield United, I think it was. It must have been from 30 yards out. Uh, watching that from the Jack Walker lower, I think. Absolutely fantastic. It was good to get one over Sheffield United as well, for yeah. personal reasons. But, uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic uh, um, strike in, in the 80 odd minute and I don't know whether the interview was just after that or just before it was round about that time and uh, Morton used to have this routine where he'd he'd pick up the ball and hold it and then and then place it down quite deliberately take a certain number of steps back and uh, it, it was quite clear in 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 retrospect of what Mark Hughes was saying, that this was part of the 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 NLP uh, training that he was doing, and uh, I just wondered, not long after that, and uh, he seemed to kind of lose his edge, 
and uh, I wondered at the time whether it was because it had been made public. For me, with NLP, one of the key things is that you don't actually talk about it openly. Part of it is the focus. I wonder whether he lost that focus at that time. Uh, I don't know if anyone on the message board can 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 work out the uh, uh, the chronology of it. But uh, for me, at the time, I remember thinking, "Oh, I wonder if he's if he's lost his focus uh, and his uh, concentration." Because Morton always seemed to me to be very much a, a, a confidence player, and yep. um, uh, whether the NLP was a, a part of that, uh, I wouldn't like to say. But mm, um, certainly, when he was on top of his game. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. So, but that, that and his in uh, his personality, uh, I think a, a big, big, big uh, um, loss for Blackburn Rovers Football Club. But uh, yeah. Anyway, good luck to you, Morton. Good luck. So um, to wrap up today's podcast, um, Cammy, could you just uh, tell us what the latest is on the transfer scene? Yeah, um, we've. Formica's obviously gone. Rosado's gone. Uh, he was had his contract mutually uh, terminated. Uh, we've just been talking about Morton. Um, his his uh, transfer isn't confirmed yet. He's had his medical, and um, I think he's agreed a deal with Krag Bunkspor, whatever they, whatever they call it, the Turkish club. Uh, but. Um, he still needs to come to some sort of agreement with Rovers. So um, I think that the way he was saying goodbye today probably means uh, we're nearly there, but it, it's not fully done yet. So uh, that one will probably, um, you know, Monday, Tuesday next week, uh, maybe we'll, we'll get that one confirmed. Um, uh, GV is still at the club. Um, doesn't seem to be anything um, imminent on that respect, but... Uh, that could change very, very quickly. Um, ditto for Etuhu, uh, who's coming back to fitness now, whether, uh, he's someone that, um, you know, could go, um, on, on transfer deadline day. Uh, Dan still attracting, uh, interest from a number of Premier League clubs, including Southampton, but nothing concrete. Uh, same for Rhodes. Um, like I said last week, I'd be amazed if we get, through the transfer window and not have a bid for four roads. And I'm sure his two goals today will have perked up interest from, from certain clubs. Uh, on the incoming side, um, they were hoping to bring in a striker before the Doncaster game. Um, that didn't happen. Um, I thought it would happen this last week, but, um, again, I think they've been more focused on getting players out first and then looking at what's left um, uh, in terms of whatever budgets they're working to and then doing some deals. Um, Boyer has said uh, uh, on and off the record uh, that um, he's looking to bring in two or three more players uh, before the transfer deadline. Um, probably one permanent and two loans, I would say. Uh, so, I suspect they'll sort out these last few outgoings and then uh, sort the incomings out, um, you know. Um, but it may go to transfer deadline day before we get that sorted. Um, but at the moment, he's looking uh, to, to bring in two or three players. Um, one will be a striker. Um, one will most likely be 
uh, another midfielder, an attacking midfielder, and uh, one would probably be uh, a utility player that can play in a number of positions. Uh, so um, I think one of the loans will be from a Premier League club, from one of the big boys. Um, but uh, you know they're still working working on them uh, those deals. But uh, hopefully we should get some movement uh, within the next week or so. So so yeah, uh, I think we're nearly there now in terms of uh, the final squad. You know, they've trimmed it down. I think we'll further trim it um, and this week and then sort out the last few incomings. But I, I think we're we're just about there now. Good. Well, look forward to hearing uh, next weekend uh, and then just after the transfer window uh, what, uh, what's actually uh, gone down at the, Ewood. The, the good thing is, uh, after the Bolton game, uh, the transfer window um, closes uh, 2nd of September and then we don't have a game the, the following weekend because of internationals. Um, so whoever's bought it, it does give us that little bit of a buffer uh, before the Burnley game um, due to uh, internationals um, in early September so uh, that could be a blessing in disguise you know, uh, for, for players that we bring in because they're not immediately thrown into uh, the Burnley game <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have a bit of time to work with, with, with the squad um, you know, because we don't have many internationals nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the vast majority of the squad will be at Brockholm, so so Boyer can work with them uh, and any new arrivals, you know, uh, over, over that those two weeks. And by that stage, uh, Williamson will be back. Uh, Corey Evans will be fit. Uh, Kilgannon should be should be back. So 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 that will give us, uh, you know, in terms of numbers as well. Uh, some some good options. Great. Well, we look forward to uh, uh, what uh, what happens on the transfer front. Um, I'd just like to round up by apologising to uh, uh, Andy Neal. Apparently, last week on the podcast, I referred to him as Fernhurst Blue. Uh, he is, of course, Fernhurst Rover, uh, which I know very well, but. Uh, Obviously, a slip of the brain and slip of the tongue at the same time. Uh, so, yeah, Fernhurst Rover uh, was, uh, was was who I was referring to uh, last week. Uh, I think that was the tip that uh, that you gave, Cammy, that uh, uh, with regard to the stats you brought up in the last podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Yeah, and uh, Fernhurst Rover uh, was the source of that one, so... Uh, thanks to Furnace Rover for those tips and apologies to, to him for referring to him as Furnace Blue. Well, uh, that's all we've got time for today. Um, just the one match, but uh, we managed to talk for rather a lot uh, about uh, uh, various issues pertaining to the club, Gary Boyer's position and uh, the general state of the club. Uh, we'll hopefully be able to talk to members of... Uh, uh, the BRFC Action Group uh, and also uh, members of the Rovers Trust in the coming weeks and uh, talk about uh, things that are happening off the field uh, with regard to Blackburn Rovers. Uh, so uh, look forward to uh, those uh, forthcoming podcasts. Uh, we've uh, just uh, had the opportunity to hear uh, Philip L's voice uh, over the uh, 
airwaves as it were coming from malta it's it's great to have you back on again philip thank you for coming on it's good to be back yeah and uh yeah it's uh must be must be nice to be back in uh, malta Yes, yes, I'm uh, really enjoying it. Admittedly, people would think I'm here on holiday, actually. I'm working absolutely flat out. I've uh, been here for three weeks, more than three weeks, in fact, and I've been down to the beach once, so uh, it's all work. Good, good, good. That's good to hear. It'd be terrible if you were lazing around on the beach, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, Joss, yes. Good. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, uh, thank you for coming on. And, uh, Cammy, thanks as always. Yeah, thank you. Um, um, you know, it's good, good to be doing these podcasts again um, on a regular basis, and just like to thank everyone for the feedback. Uh, really appreciate it, and um, you know, take people taking time uh, to leave feedback on 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 our threads, and um, if they can do it on iTunes as well, that that'll help us as well. So, so yeah, just like to thank everyone for for the feedback. Yeah, yeah. Um that's something uh, the feedback on iTunes uh, if if people could leave their uh, remarks uh, feedback on iTunes that would be uh, uh, very much welcomed um if, if you could leave it uh, for current episodes uh, and even go back through the episodes uh, that, uh, that you've listened to and leave leave uh, feedback remarks that would be uh, very welcomed well, that's uh, that's all we have time for today. Um, just like to say thank you to everyone for listening in, and wherever you are in the world, do take care. Thank you very much. <laughs>